Hey ho, my lovelies! Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book? A comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Aaron Palmer, and once again, joined by Senor Daniel. Hello, Mr. Daniel. Hello again. <laughs> you are back. Always. Ah. <laughs> what is this, four? Uh, yes. Yes. Ooh, I think four, maybe even five, actually. Maybe uh, yeah, I can't remember. Uh-oh. Four I should or five. be keeping better track of this. <laughs> yeah. Quick, look back at it's, my catalog. It's not my job. <laughs> Ha-ha! Uh, it's been at least four, probably yes. more to come. Yes. Um, welcome back. I'm glad Thank you're not you. sick of me yet. <laughs> no. Well. <laughs> okay. Well, don't, don't like start been, that. I think well, I would have been sick of you years before this. Oh, you know, that's fair. For for our lovely listeners at home, uh, Daniel Baniel is my baby brother, um, for those who don't know me personally. Yeah, so yeah. he has had many a, a couple decades. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this would be the tipping point. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, alrighty. Well, welcome back. Uh, Thank you. What are we discussing today? Oh, today we are talking about uh, I Am Legend, which is. Uh, do you want me to just go into the yeah. into the source? Yeah, dive into all the specs if you like. Okay, so yeah, we're talking about I Am Legend, which is a book by Richard Matheson, written in 1954. And our adaptation is also called I Am Legend, and it is directed by Francis Lawrence in 2007, and it is starring some folks such as Will Smith, Alice Braga, Emma Thompson, and my two favorite actors in the film, who are called Abby and Kona, who are puppers. They are doggos. They're the dogs. There's only one dog, but it is played by two dogs. Yeah. Um, This dog's name is Sam. And yeah. those are literally the star of the film. And we'll get into that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> the highlight of the movie. They are the highlight and the sadness of that film. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that. All right. Before we get started, spoilers. Lots of spoilers. Um, there's yeah. a lot of things that happen in the film and the book that you may not want to know about in advance if you haven't read or seen it. So hit that pause button, do your thing, and come back when you have completed your checklist. And yeah. then we can get into it. And the book's like 160 pages. So Super like, fast it's read. Really, yeah. You can like, you could read it mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, it's, it it's a It would hardly put you back. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So the book shouldn't be too bad. The film is film film. So, you know, dedicate yeah, a little mini afternoon to that bad yeah. boy. But anyway, go watch that. Go read that. Come back if you don't want things spoiled. And let's crack on. So before we get started, are you pro-source or pro-adaptation, Daniel? I am very firmly pro-source on this one, which is, I mean, honestly, uh, I feel like every time I come on here, it's like, I'm just really just here to talk about how the book is better than the movie, but <laughs> there's like, alone. <laughs> there's like one thing with like, um, with, uh, Altered Carbon where I was like, actually the yeah. source, the, the adaptation is still quite good, even though I think yeah. I was still pro-source in that one, mm. but mm. I, that one might be the only one I was like the adaptation is actually like good Solid. and I would highly recommend it. All yeah. the other ones, Annihilation, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, of course. Um, <laughs> I think parts that was one it. and two. Parts one and two, right? Yeah, it's been yeah. pretty consistent. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, pro source. Yep, I'm right there with you. Um, I had seen the film one time, 
when yeah. it first came out, and we'll get into why I've only seen it one yeah. time. And then years later, you convinced me to read the book, um, which I had been seriously avoiding because of the film. <laughs> it's and you know, so and it's so it. much. It's, it's worth it the is, time. It's it is so worth much the time. Better. It's a quick read. Um, but yeah. yeah, we'll get we'll get into that on uh, definitely pro source as well. That is a yeah. hard stop for me. All right, let's get into it. So give us a synopsis, and we'll dive into that source material. Okay. So, set in 1976 Los Angeles after an apocalyptic war that ravages the land with weekly dust storms, I Am Legend details the life of Robert Neville in the years after the outbreak of a pandemic that has killed the rest of the human population and turned infected survivors into blood-sucking, pale-skinned, and nocturnal creatures. Neville struggles to survive and find a cure as the sole survivor. Or so he thinks. Yeah, great. All right. So your thoughts. You're very strongly pro-source on this. So what kind of drew you in? Well, the first thing is, is that Richard Matheson is a little bit about the author. Um, He is... I actually don't know if he's still alive. I I don't think he mm, is, but I don't think so. Um, because this was written in 1954, he was a big inspiration for Stephen King as a writer, mm-hmm. and so when I and I didn't really know that when I first read this book, but this book has is a lot of similarities actually with how Stephen King's early books were written, where yeah, it's like like totally. a big a book where it's like there's one main story that the book is the book is named after the same name as that story and then a bunch of like short stories that are at least my version of this book mm-hmm. has i'm legend and that's the name of the the collection and other short it, stories and right? then it has other short yeah, stories yeah i had the same copy where it has a lot of his compilations but the yeah. first story featured is i am legend and then just a quick backtrack he was born february 1926 and he died 26. june 2013 so wow okay yeah. so not long after this movie came out then uh yeah, the, the movie the film's the... 2007 so a yeah. few years after but not that long so he was alive to see that it came out <laughs> oh, poor him <laughs> the uh, i the, the, not even to get into the movie but yeah uh, we'll get there <laughs> yeah yes so he was uh he was one of the inspirations for stephen king who is mm-hmm. one of my favorite authors and so I uh, remember reading this book. I actually, I also saw the movie first and then um, I saw this movie in theaters when it came out. I was in high school. Oh my God. I'm so glad I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty, it was actually pretty great to see it in theaters. I think that there's a lot in this movie that the theater experience kind of lends itself to very well. I can see that. There's a lot of baited like breath kind of moments. There's a lot of tension. It's like quiet place. Yeah. Exactly. Which I also saw in theaters. I and did it was a great too. choice. That was worth um, it. Not that we're talking about the films, but dang, right. was that a great film to see in theaters. Yeah, oh my God. I think that should really be the only way you see that because never have I been in a theater where you could hear a pin drop yeah. for the entire film. <laughs> we had someone next to it us that wild. was like, kept trying to eat their snacks, but it was so <laughs> quiet. Too, too loud. Yeah. That it was like they couldn't, there was no time to eat their <laughs> popcorn and like open yeah. their snack package. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Anyway, we digress. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this book, yeah. So I, I saw this movie first, and then I read the book, uh, and then I liked it so much, and then I read the rest of the book, all the short stories, and nice. um, really have really liked 
this author uh, since then. Mm-hmm. But in in terms of like like how this book, I guess talking about this story specifically, this one has always stood out to me because it is, I I feel like it's it's like a it's a very solid sci-fi story, but I it I definitely don't hear it talked about as often as some more considered like classic sci-fi stories like Richard Matheson is not really I mean he also wrote like thriller and horror stories as well Mm -hmm. which I think Um, this kind of hits a little bit of those genres in some ways but it's got a sci-fi spin because it's about a contagion so yeah yes it's about yeah about a bacteria and about a virus but I feel like that definitely could be in the horror niche because there's a lot again Stephen King has a ton of stuff that hits that horror niche because it's some sort of contagion. So it's like, what, what's that one? Um, uh, the stand. Yeah. The stand. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah totally. Same vibe. I, I mean this, uh, yeah, the stand I think came out in the seventies maybe is when he wrote yeah. it. I'm actually not hundred percent sure, but you can, there's a seventies. You can see like when you read this book, you can f- like feel the comparisons between Richard Matheson and Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely, if if you're a Stephen King fan, I would highly recommend this book if you haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Or really novella, I guess, because it's, it's it only 160 pages. Yeah. So it's not very long at all. Um, which it, again, it, which is... Stephen King was really into yes. the novellas and short stories when he was first starting out where they were right. released as like chronicles and magazine editions and now they're kind of compiled right. into full length stories yes um, yeah. very similar vibe yeah. yes and and so that um that stood out to me uh after the fact because i i had to do a little bit of research myself i think when i was yeah, reading I don't it though think i knew I that but it totally felt, checks out yeah <laughs> when i was reading it i like even had that thought where i was like wow this is actually really Similar. I think I might, because I was in high school, I might have had like the thought of like, wow, this is so similar to Stephen King. And right. It's, like, when actually, it's really it's the, the other way around. Other way around. But <laughs> he the, predates. <laughs> yeah, because I had read Stephen King first. Right. Yeah. So this is, I think it's really unfortunate. I don't, I think a lot of people do who are like into sci-fi do know about this book. And I'm actually pretty sure that this book, um, I think George R. Romero who did Night of the Living Dead. Oh, I think yeah. he also cited this book as inspiration for Night of the Living I, Dead, which came I out in like that. 76 or something. Something like um, that, yeah. And so like this book actually has had a widespread effect on media, I guess, not just literature, but also yeah. in movies. Well, there's a lot to pull from. Like there's exactly. a lot of tropes that, you know, we see them as tropes today. Right. But it, this is actually a very similar conversation that Dan and Keith and I had about Starship Troopers, where there's a lot yes. of tropes that have kind of grown out of this. And again, same era. So the 50s, the late 50s, 50s. Yeah. So this was like really the beginnings of like pretty classic sci fi and yeah. I guess horror genre. But I feel like the 50s to the 70s was like the horror and monster genre was really starting right. to take grasp. But the sci fi was starting to become super right. prominent at this point, too. So I, yeah, I think see that. Philip K. Dick was also writing around this yep. time as well. So yep, Blade totally. Runner, or I guess do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and Minority Report too, right? Minority Report, that. which yeah. he wrote that one. He wrote, yeah. I mean, God, that's another person we could 
I would love to do something. <gasps> Don't on worry, this guys. Philip that's K. on Dick. the list. Oh, Philip K. Dick is some classic, classic sci-fi yeah. that I would love to dive into. <laughs> and, and yeah, and definitely around this time, it's a, a very similar time. Um, that I would say, like, there's like a lot, like I, Isaac Asimov and mm-hmm. um, Jules Verne were yep. much earlier, uh, yes. and they sort of paved the way for mm-hmm. sci-fi writing. And then yeah. this was like the 50s was a very big resurgence of boom. sci-fi writing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I cannot stress that, like recommend this book enough for people who mm-hmm. are sci-fi uh, and maybe people who are, are into sci-fi have already read this one, already know it. But anyone who's mm-hmm. sort of mildly into sci-fi, um, this book is is it's so it, so much happens in 160 pages yeah. that like it's a three year time span mm-hmm. plus and plus a little bit more I guess with flashbacks that happen occasionally right, the precursor yeah and so it just jumps right into it into Robert Neville's life like a few months after this uh the outbreak and he is just living he's just surviving in this house in LA and he's barricaded everything and he has generators in the garage I think it's and... more than months, isn't it? I think it's at least a year because his um first spoiler word, his his wife passes away within the first months of the pandemic. That's right? right. That's right. So I think it's at least a year, if not longer, and then by the end of the book we've hit that kind of three year mark. But it yeah. bounces in the timeline a little bit, I think. Yeah, there's some time jumps that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh I think the first thing it starts in nineteen seventy six and then it jumps about six months. I think it starts in January and then it jumps to oh, like June ish. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it, and it jumps back a little bit more I think at one more time and then I think the last time it jumps forward three years mm-hmm. uh, to 1979 mm-hmm. and so there's that last jump is definitely the biggest uh, yeah. where and and you can tell there's like a big shift in his attitude in those oh, three years. Oh he's completely years. different yeah very uh, shut down. Yeah. yeah and he starts out and he's very uh, obviously very distressed very emotional he has been l- living with this uh, in this apocalypse for yeah uh, several months to a to a year or so at this point and he's an alcoholic <laughs> and he's hopeless and he's constantly breaking his glasses and he's breaking his like the artwork on his walls yeah he just gets uh, into and, angry fits yeah and he just thinks about he has a gun and he thinks about like he's like why don't have i killed myself yet today mm-hmm. and it's like an every day is just a nightmare that he lives in mm-hmm and then to to talk you know he's he's the last one and then these vampires as he calls them um mm-hmm. and as the book pretty consistently calls them mm-hmm. li- come out at night and they taunt him yeah yeah they like know exactly where he lives yeah. and they just say come on out come on say, come out, out neville because they know his name yeah, and they know and they where he speak, lives which we'll get yeah <laughs> that's a really important call out. yeah that's very important <laughs> they're they're intelligent they yeah. they um and he like has to hide his car away because mm-hmm. like he knows that like he has to lock everything in mm-hmm. he locks his front door his like, house is totally shuttered up yeah yeah he has to he has garlic that he sets out um, he tries out all various things like mirrors, running water, and like the things that don't work, they like taunt him with it. Like mm-hmm. that one like, time oh, that where didn't he, work. <laughs> yeah, he sets up running water because he thinks that that's a thing that vampires can't cross. And then he's looking at the peephole of his 
door and he's watching them just jump back and forth over the yeah. running water to taunt him. And the mirrors, they shatter the mirrors right. uh, every time he sets them out. Garlic mm-hmm. seems to be and Pretty sunlight consistent. seem to yeah. be the only two things that actually do work. And wooden stakes. And wooden stakes, which mm-hmm. is what he does in the daytime. He goes mm-hmm. out and he explores all of the local, all the nearby houses and everything. And he goes and he kills as many of them during the day as he can because they go and they hide and they like they fall and they go to sleep. during the day. Yeah. yeah. Like even if they're in the dark, they are hibernating and they aren't like he can just go and he just he spends all day practically making or all night practically making stakes to then just use them all the next day. Yeah. And and he just keeps doing that. Oh, and that's what he's just been doing. And then he had there's like a giant burning pit for all the bodies and he'll like drag the uh some of the bodies um mm-hmm. to that and and that's just been his life for a year by the time that we get to him and so he is an incredibly broken man by the time we uh the book starts like mm-hmm. that is the starting point is that his spirit is broken and he is depressed and just and like kind of waiting to die suicidal mm-hmm. yeah and like he keeps trying to like stop himself from going out and just like shooting them even though he knows that his gun is useless against them he does shoot them a few times and it does nothing to them do they they do they describe that the bullets just like hit them and nothing happens or is it that the bullets hit them and then they just like push them out i can't remember if that was the bullets go in and i think that like their skin like closes around it and then just just, seals back up yeah so creepy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's really because that's why he ends up using the stake because mm-hmm. he puts the he well initially he doesn't know why the stakes work he just knows that they do work mm-hmm. and he finds out later after he starts to do a little bit more research he finds out that like he puts the stake into them and it doesn't allow their their body can't like, like recover from it, it heal around yeah. it because it's keeping the wound open mm. and then that's what kills them. And so he's like, why is that? Why is it that that is that kills them? Bullets mm-hmm. don't do anything. You can feed them garlic and it doesn't kill them, but it does kind of make them weak. It makes but them it doesn't, sick. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't kill them. And so it's like, what is it about this? And he starts to do more research into it. And mm-hmm. that's what like most of the story sort of becomes mm-hmm. is like the first half of the book is probably him just being very depressed angry. and <laughs> angry. angry yeah and uh and then there's a turning point where he really loses it and mm-hmm. then from that point on he recovers a, uh, and then actually starts to be like i need to do i i have to do something because i otherwise i have no purpose otherwise mm-hmm. i have like there's no point in me doing any of this yeah if i'm not going to try and find a cure and so he starts he goes to the library and he checks out he checks out but he takes a bunch of books about researching into bacteria and Mm -hmm. how what even a bacteria what bacteria even is right so he like doesn't he like raid a university or something and finds like microscopes and like all these kinds of like tools and tech and kit that Mm -hmm. he can then do like experimentation in his house yes. with samples and stuff which he's supplementing with books on like molecular like structure and bacterial yes. growth and like all the stuff that he is not trained in he's just reading some books yeah he's just some <laughs> guy like yeah. that 
I think they say what he does. Doesn't he like he like worked at like a like a like a plant or something? Yeah, I like, think he was some sort of technical job, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. But definitely not a scientist. That yeah, was not his it's background. in a flashback, and yeah, it's like briefly briefly mentioned. He yeah. says something to his wife about like not going to work or something. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. He goes to the library. He raids a university. He gets a bunch of like science tools that he doesn't mm-hmm. really know. He like the he spends like weeks breaking slides because yeah, he, can't, he doesn't know how to load them doesn't correctly know how to, and, yeah, yeah and he doesn't know how to yeah. like calibrate the uh microscope well he keeps smashing the lens into the slides and yeah like what normal people would do if you're not trained yeah weird like he has no idea what he's doing and yeah. and then i think it's uh the turning point i would say is um i think the dog oh um which the i dog yeah. When I first read this and I was like, I actually was like, you know, I didn't. Uh, so how it works with the dog is like, so he has been alone this whole time. And then it's like it's several. It's been at least a year, if not two at that point. Yeah. At this point. It's been a while. He, he is ran. He's out and he sees this stray dog that is in just wandering daylight. in the daylight. So he yeah. knows that the dog isn't infected because he knows it's out in the day. And so he it gets, he's just shocked and excited. And then. He starts, he's like, okay, I, I, have to, I have this plan. He finally has something to do because he's mm-hmm. just been spending his days killing the vamp- vampires in the day mm-hmm. and then going home and drinking and getting mad. And yep. so then he's like, oh, I finally, okay. And I have this dog. I'll befriend this dog and it'll come live with me and it'll be great. It'll be great to have a, a, a companion. companion. Yeah. And so he spends the next several weeks like setting food out and getting this dog to slowly trust him and it's very weak it's very cautious and it like yeah. it, it won't he can't even like get close enough to pet it eventually he can sit out while the dog eats, eats the food outside but it still won't let him nearby and then i think at some point he scares the dog because he tries to pet it and then it runs away and doesn't come back for like two days or something and he's really worried and he gets mad at himself and he's like i ruined it and Mm -hmm. and, like i'll never have this dog back and he's like he's like please like if this dog comes back like i won't ruin it this time and the dog does come back but it's i think it's hurt yeah like and so he's like oh god and he's like okay so then he just gets the dog to come in and eat and then he very quickly grabs it and he brings it inside and the I think maybe at this freaks out. The dog the is like, not does not it. want to be in the house. Poor baby. And so he puts the dog in his bedroom and he goes and, and closes the door and he like goes to make food for the dog and then and like I think he like sets up a little spot for it mm-hmm. and it's like it's he comes back in and it's like hiding under the it's like the bed or the dresser or something. It's hiding There's under like something. A blanket on the bed and he's just buried himself. That's right. He's buried so under the sad. blanket my and he's heart. whining. My heart. And He's like he he yeah. sits out with the dog and he like I think eventually the dog he picks up the dog he's holding it, mm-hmm. um and he's like sitting on the floor and he's like it's okay, like I'll I'll work, I'll start working on this cure I'll off it's it'll be fine I'll cure you, <laughs> and at this like I think like a little bit beforehand oh and and I guess I'll just finish that and and then like the next sentence is like the dog was dead in like three days yeah like the dog was just they it got bit or scratched by the vampires yeah. and it just like there's no going back from that because he and hadn't found a cure and it dies and I'm like get and out of here it was so I, awful what's really I gut-wrenching 
when I was reading this, uh, <laughs> I, since I had read it before, I actually it was really hard to like read his the early parts of when he finds that dog because he is so excited. He is I so know. happy because it's the first have... living thing that isn't trying to kill him. Yeah. In a year or more. And it's like he yeah. just wants a companion. And my I mean, like my hands are getting sweaty. It was so I upsetting. <laughs> And so he, upsetting. There's a part that uh, there was a part in like when I got to this part, I actually did like tear up I did when too. I was reading it. Because I at least was aware it was going to happen, but I didn't exactly. know how because I hadn't read it first. But I mean, any like this is kind of foreshadowing yeah. for the movie, but something very similar. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, it's upsetting. <laughs> and, <laughs> is and putting it nicely. <laughs> there's this one part that that got me, and it's the part where he's talking about how he's gonna. He's like, okay, I'm going to go out to the store and I'm going to get dog treats and toys. And like he and it's so heartbreaking. It is so awful. He's so. And then like knowing that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. Because I had read it before and it was like it was it was definitely harder to read that part the second time than it was the first time. Yeah. What got me was the kind of when he started having the dog trust him more. Mm-hmm. It was like the little small talk he was doing with the dog. Yes. Like, you're a good boy. Who's a good boy? Eat your food. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. It's like, <laughs> I know. so awful. <laughs> I was like, no. It's like, Ugh, and we'll get to it in so the, com- <laughs> we'll get to it in the comparison of like, of the, oh, because there God. is something similar I, that happens in the lot. movie. There's, I have feelings. I have so many feelings about that dog in both both platforms, and it, it's gut wrenching on both spectrums. But yeah, we'll get into yeah. uh, the comparison on that because I want to save that. Otherwise, I'm going to start crying now. Right. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, that is a gut wrenching moment in the book, and it's it yeah. just. Anybody who knows me, um, I have such a soft little spot in my heart for anything animal related. And so when animals get hurt in film or books or movies or whatever you want to, whatever platform, I get very upset. I yeah. can care less about the humans. It's the animals that get me. Well, in, in this book, we we don't really have any. We have his his wife and his daughter that we show in the flashbacks but we barely get anything from them we don't get the wife does have a heartbreaking kind of line to it but the daughter is briefly mentioned there's really not much said they mention the daughter getting sick Mm -hmm. uh, and that's and then the daughter dies and that's not really and that's it pretty much not Um, much attachment and it's the same with all of the people because there is a flashback where he sees the people panicking everyone's panicking over this uh bacteria and he uh but no one knows what it is and they th- there's like re- people with the religious pe- cult who's like trying to get him to come into like literally into their tent mm-hmm. and um his coworker Ben Cortman uh mm-hmm. who he's like meets him and he's sick or something or there's something about like he runs into him and like he's like doesn't look well or he, they know he's sick or something like that Ben Cortman is what they are He's the one that yells outside his house every day. He's like the mm-hmm. alpha, right? Where he's like, come out, Neville. So yeah. he's his coworker, which is how he knows he's there. He knows his name um, and he knows and he where he lives. And he's like one of the more special ones that's called out where he's yes. a lot smarter than the others. He's more tactic driven. Um, it's not yeah. just get food and eat it. 
um, he is much smarter than the rest of yes. them, which I thought was interesting. He and he, yeah, and he spends uh, Neville spends like his days trying to find where Ben Cortman is hiding. Where he's and he sleeping, just, at he the, can yeah. never find him. Like, yeah, uh, he's, he's and, smart. Until the very end, where where he does find out where he is hiding, but by uh, accident though. <laughs> yes, yeah, and so yeah, so I think that the the dog is a special case because every other human, every other living person or being, we just don't really see except his wife, yeah, except really except his wife, mm-hmm. um, because he actually has to end up killing his wife because she comes back to life, she dies and then comes back to life and shows yeah. up on his doorstep, tries God. to kill him. Yeah. And then he has to kill her and bury yeah, her twice. That I know that's a pretty brutal scene, honestly, because yeah. you know they he's already talked about like the amount of people that have died. They have they have determined that burning the bodies is the only way to stop the spreading. Yeah. But he can't bring himself to burn his wife, so yeah. he buries her to honor her, and then she comes back to his door, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, then I think so he does end up burning her after he does, that. I think he does have to burn her. And then he, I think, created some sort of like effigy or something for his daughter too because he goes back and yes. visits a couple times. I think in maybe the... it's his daughter and his wife. Um, I think so, yes. Some he, sort it... of crypt that he has. Yes, that he has um, set up for them. And mm-hmm. and he, yeah, because he checks on it and gets mad that he thinks that they, that the vampires are using it to like hide from the sunlight. Yeah. Which um, I can understand that. Which I don't think they are. I don't think they. <laughs> there was one guy that came out, and that's I think when oh, that's he discovered right. that sunlight actually burns them. Like I think that was the that's moment where he, he realized that the sun actually does hurt him, not that they're just nocturnal. That it actually physically hurts them. I think that was the turning that's point right. for that realization was when oh he yeah chases yeah. them out of their their crypt. Yeah, because he's yeah, mad, and then he chases yeah, it out, pissed. and then it burns to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean really horrific things um especially like <laughs> timing man like reading this during a pandemic <laughs> yeah was extremely stressful <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like oh my god this is us <laughs> i write i read this book in 2007 because i right. read it right, right. after we the movie came yet. out and yeah <laughs> we, it was we were in a very different time mm-hmm. it would yeah. be like reading yeah it'd be like reading the stand by stephen king it'd be like reading that again uh, I tried to read that not too long ago, and I had to stop because I was getting yeah. so physically upset. I was like, "This is too stressful. This is too like." I know it's not like that drastic of yeah. a cont- contagion, but man, it was stressful. So I'm like, I have to put this down. Right, <laughs> it's too <laughs> similar. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm getting I'm getting heart palpitations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so then it does like a big um. He has like a sort of a self-destructive part after the dog, and then and then yeah. I think that's when he really starts to be like, I need. He's like fine. He really feels that he needs to like stop drinking so much and like actually find something to work towards. Yeah. And then it does like a three-year time skip, basically, or like a two-year time skip. Yeah, so the ending, that's kind of the tail end. I want to hold off on the ending okay. so we can talk about that in the comparison because okay. there is a lot at that It's so part. different. It's so different. So I want to actually hold off on talking about the okay. ending because that's crazy turning point for a lot of the book. Um, Ooh, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Keep listening, folks. Ooh, got you roped in. But yeah, it's, God, that dog scene. I just... Oh. That is definitely like the gut wrenching. I would say the first 
like the major turning point of the that's about halfway through the book that's I roughly think, half i think yeah is when the dog like because it's a fairly long scene it's longer than i remembered it being mm-hmm. i i definitely remembered it being like like oh he finds this dog and uh, and then the dog dies like mm-hmm. when i first read it like it did not feel as impactful as the movie um yeah. when i first read it and then when i read it again i was like Actually, this is really heartbreaking. This is like, and it's like like a lens of like being older and understanding (laughs) that that kind of relationship. Like, I mean, you can appreciate the relationship of animals when you're younger, but at the same time, I feel like being an adult, I don't know. I I think it just hits different. Yeah. I've read lots of books that have had like death scenes and stuff where when I was younger, when I read them, it didn't hit me. And now I'm like, oh my God. Like, right. (laughs) I also. I also think that the we, we now collectively have this we have an idea of what it's like to live in isolation. To be isolated, yeah. And totally. And that was just as upsetting. Yeah. He <laughs> Honestly. is he lives alone and now of course you obviously can't go we don't outside. We, yeah, yeah, we don't have the the beings outside trying to murder us because they're, you know, vampires. But yeah. we did have a period of time where we ha- were stuck inside and we couldn't leave because of a People contagion. People dying en masse. Yeah. And, and there was that isolation. And I think maybe in the fact that he finally has something to break this isolation and then it also dies. Yeah. And what he should have done... He- was just started a sourdough starter like everybody else did in the pandemic. <laughs> right. Find yeast and find some yeast and just grow some sourdough. Don't try make to bread. get a dog that's doomed to die. Yeah, like. <laughs> he did the same thing everyone did. The pandemic yeah. dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean this. Who knew? Yeah, like like seventy years ago, this book would uh, have called it. But oh my god, um, he got a dog during the pandemic, and he shouldn't have. oh too real (laughs) i think that that also yes also being older and under having a having a a more fuller understanding of death and then and then also uh having literally lived through uh Mm -hmm. a pandemic currently Mm -hmm. still kind of and no, not kind uh, of. We're still in it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then also have you know having that isolation. I think that that definitely yes. made a huge difference on my interpretation uh, of that. Absolutely. Scene of that section. Honestly, the whole book it, it it just kept you know they really drill his isolation for obvious yeah. reasons because he as far as he's aware he is the sole survivor so it is him by his onesie day in day out yeah. and then he's he's just harangued by the vampires outside and they just scream yeah. at him and yell at him and taunt him and then they're killing each other to try to right. get into his house so he hears them killing yeah. each other and he just finds bodies outside his house every day when he wakes up yeah. so i mean yeah. he's just living that every day and so he I, has to yeah yeah it's nuts it's nuts yeah like and and the only real like dialogue in the book until the dog really is him yelling basically at himself like because most of it is thoughts in his own head and i think maybe he has a few things he yells out at them like at night yeah i can't remember exactly but but like he's not speaking he's not really having dialogue he's not having a conversation with anyone and the dog is the only time, except for flashbacks, of course, that that he 
has a conversation with anything and even mm-hmm. then he's still speaking point, yeah. at something like he's not mm-hmm. he's not really having a conversation he but it's the first actual like interaction that he's been able yeah. to even come remotely close to so it's yeah. huge huge moment and the the I just that scene was so good because the the tension of yeah. that scene because anybody who knows animals in general and especially strays if they've been living outside and they've gone feral yeah. which most likely this dog had to yeah. be feral to survive and that knows long, that there are creatures that are yeah, trying to hurt it. Yeah, and is it. living in the same way that he's living but doesn't have a nice house to barricade itself in every night. Yeah. Um, you know that there's it's so delicate to try and get an animal's trust when they're that st- stressed and broken. And so that tension in the scene for him to try like, you know, slowly coax him to stay on the porch instead of run away every time he tried right. to open his door and then let him sit next to him while he was eating and let him kind of try and touch him and talk to him and just hang out with him. And it's right. like, oh, my God, there's so much effort that went into yeah. that. And he first the first time he talks to him, it scares the dog. I know. And no it almost kind of scares and him, so. too, mm-hmm. like because he hasn't spoken really in months mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like there's this relief of tension from him and also the dog a little bit that mm-hmm. the dog starts to become more comfortable with him mm-hmm. it's still very nervous it's still very cautious yeah. but it's like this and i think at some point i think he even blames himself when the dog comes back hurt i think he blames himself and says like i should have been faster with getting this dog to trust me and had it been so you could have saved it so i could have saved it i should maybe me interacting with it made it let its guard down and i'm the one who killed it because now (laughs) you know he he really blames himself for this dog uh and that it's his responsibility even though it wasn't like he didn't know this dog existed like yeah but he just see why you would latch on to something like that you're like oh my god you're you're not like trying to kill me and i need literally anything at this point just to keep my sanity in place like i totally understand why he would have been so ecstatic to be like oh my god yeah you're come here (laughs) immediately right (laughs) like i get it i totally get it and that's that's why that was so tragic because he was so desperate for contact of any kind that was not trying to kill him (laughs) Like, and he is constantly tragic. holding himself back to not like immediately just jump. reach out yeah. to the dog and I know. and like I know. he's like it's okay like just be patient Neville like <laughs> I know like wait like take your time don't scare it like yeah and, don't mess this up he's I know constantly holding himself back because he's so excited like and he's so desperate like you said yeah oh my god yeah it's like. <gasps> I think that's definitely Stress the turning inducing. point in the book. <laughs> Absolutely. Like for him yes. as a character. Yes. Because I think he's... he stops drinking after that. I think that is the point. Or, or he like goes on a shortly bender after. And yeah. then he decides, I need to keep yeah. my butt in gear. But I, I, I am yeah. I can totally understand why yeah. that would be a thing. He's He gets drunk for like a week or something. Yeah. Or like <laughs> several days. And like, yeah. like his, his doesn't eat, breaks things. And like... Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, completely doesn't even think of, like, doesn't go outside. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I did want to touch on something that I thought was, um, I don't know if it's like a sign of the times or if it was just an interesting ch- writing choice, but uh, another kind of his desperation for contact 
there are, are quite oh. a few scenes peppered throughout the book where he talks about like the female vampires keep yes. looking more and more enticing of like I just need some physical contact yes. and he's like why don't I just like find one of these ladies during the day when they're sleeping and I'm like yikes okay yes. so like there's some really ugh, rough yes. moments of that and I'm glad that he never acted on that but at the no, same time he never the did thought it. process yeah. of that I'm like god that's uncomfortable and it's like it's- but you know you, you you say now when you're not in that position, I would never do something like that. But would would you possibly get that right. desperate? Like I don't, Is it, I don't know. It's hard to know. It's, it's really hard, hard to, know to know. I don't ever you... want to know personally. Exactly. <laughs> I don't ever want to be in a position where that is a thought that seriously comes across my mind. Like yeah. because yeah. I think it it is a part of the times. This was written in 1950, so I think maybe there's a little bit of of it being part of the times. Um, I I do also think that it is supposed to be a representation of his brokenness that he is becoming less and less because in the 1950s, especially, there's the you know the idea of of the civilized man, you know, who doesn't mm-hmm. act on his on his sexual urges and mm-hmm. now there's the idea that he the the civilized man still has all those urges and still wants to do all these check. things, but they yeah. keep it in check. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a little bit of that that is in play here, uh but then also to show that he is not really, you know, the civilized man anymore. Like Right. Cuz what's and, the point? Yeah, because the and and nobody to else him, is there that's civilized. They're so. vampires. They're monsters. Like you know, and and they actually do. Like the women will like they taunt him at night. Yeah, like they're they fully fit, aware they, that he is alone and that they they like take off their clothes and they like move around and like knowing that he's watching them because mm-hmm. and he ha- has to shut the the blinds yeah. and like so there's a bit of that as well where they are now they're just trying to taunt him to come out so they could kill him and he knows that but there is that part of him that yeah he is uh struggling very much with the idea that he is very isolated and in in all ways and that that is something that really he struggles with as well where the the physical touch isolation yeah i can't even imagine because i mean again kind of going this is weirdly in line with like the pandemic I know like a lot of folks that I've talked to and myself included it's like you know back when when everything completely shut down they're like don't see people don't touch anybody no hugs like stay six feet apart and it's like unless you're in a household unit so there was a lot of that where like when we were quote unquote allowed to start hugging each other again I didn't realize how much I missed that until it was right. taken away and we didn't have to deal with that for nearly as long. So no. I can't even imagine what that would feel like for having that last beyond a year where you can't touch anything, anybody. I, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking that like, I bet that this book, someone who, because when during COVID I uh, lived with two roommates and then I moved and lived with, three more roommates Mm -hmm. and so i was never really fully alone even during the parts that were right um and and you lived with uh yeah i'm with my my husband yeah so you had at least one one other person which is still harder but it's it's 
still at least one person. I, I'm actually thinking like the people who lived alone during yes, COVID felt probably just like that. I bet that yeah, this is very kind of a similar idea to like mm-hmm. I bet the if so if you lived alone during COVID maybe be careful about this book. It might yeah maybe there's it might make you feel moments. real real bad. Um, yeah, it's or it's it might make you feel better be because it's a, sometimes I find things written down like like putting a name to things almost like. I heard like a story of someone was like, yeah, I, I struggled with depression and like I anxiety and I always thought like I was kind of alone. And then like there was like this one thing where like I was talking to someone or they were like, oh, yeah, like that. The, all these feelings you're describing, like they have a name, like there's a thing. It's a thing. Like it's not yeah. just you who feels this way. Right. You are not just broken. There is an actual like clinical reason. For yeah. This. yeah. And that made that alone made them feel better Mm -hmm. and so it's possible that reading something like this having gone through you know someone who went through something far more similar of living alone Mm -hmm. maybe it might feel like yeah just be warned that uh it is stressful the entire story is meant to be stress inducing and it is yeah um so it is yeah (laughs) it is like a thriller horror Mm -hmm. sci-fi like tense, tense moments it's definitely not supposed to be a relaxing book. No, it is not relaxing. And I made the mistake of starting to listen to it re- right before I was going to bed. That had oh, to yeah. stop. I was like, I can't read this before I go to bed. I am too stressed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's so good, though. I mean, it's, it's very really, well written. really solid. Um, there's, I mean, you know, it was written in the 50s. There's definitely some parts of it that have aged poorly i would say yes Um, but the the again like we kind of go back to the the tropes that this this book has created in the genre and there's a lot of that that still is very prevalent today which again those are kind of like our current bread and butter of sci-fi so then going back to like kind of quote-unquote og sci-fi books to see oh my god it's like this is where this kind of started it's fun it's fun to see that and it, it still resonates for sure the virus sci-fi kind of this is a, a big yeah. start uh, a big uh, big starting point is this book and it's there's so many things that i mean we were talking about the stand and then there's like 28 days 28 weeks later yep. i mean there's there's so many like vampire yeah. or contagion and or both i think walking dead right. is similar i mean there's so yeah. many things that have kind of crept out of this exactly it's it's Every- crazy Every single zombie thing that is based, because George A. Romero, like I said earlier, was heavily inspired by this book. And mm-hmm. every single zombie fiction after George after Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. is inspired by George A. Romero. So mm-hmm. every zombie thing that's inspired by George A. Romero is inspired by this. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you, yeah, definitely. The, the yeah, tropes. less mindless, but yes, same kind yes. of viral outbreak and contagion thing. Body takeover, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and body snatchers. <laughs> it's not technically yeah. viral, but still. Invasion of the body snatchers. In, yeah, yeah. There's Which a I, lot that's come out of this. I don't remember when that movie came out. That was 70s? I think so. It Late could have 70s? been even earlier, honestly. Was but 80s? Oh, I don't know. And actually, I don't even know if that might have been a book. Honestly, there's so many like 70s and 80s things that were books or movies in the from the 50s that they remade. 
So there's um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers was 78, and then Body okay. Snatchers was 93. So they, I don't know how okay. those are actually correlated or not. I've not yeah, seen Body Snatchers, or just but Invasion similar. of the Body Snatchers is 78. Okay, so 70s. Yeah, yeah. so that... Again, we're in that window, Yeah. right? We're still in that window. And then you were talking about this offline, but there's also um, a couple other films that were released in the 60s and 70s that were um, yes. loose, loose, loose translations of there is book. the uh omega man i believe mm-hmm. uh which was 68 i think mm-hmm. um and that was uh vincent price yeah. uh and then there is the actually i might have them mixed up i think it might be the last man alive i think is night oh, 68 and yeah. that's vincent price and then the mm-hmm. the omega man which is 71 or 70 something like that uh which is charlton that's heston, heston. Yeah. And they are based on this book. Yeah. And I think Omega Man's the closest. That's what I've heard. is, And I actually haven't seen it, but I've heard that Omega Man is the closest adaptation to this book. Well, if anybody wants to talk about Omega Man, you should hit up our lovely friend Dan Rector because he loves, loves, big loves, fan. loves. Big, big fan. Um, so shout out to you, Dan, if you're listening. Um, you're the best knowledgeable person that I know of, so go go bother Dan and go buy his stuff, and that's my plug for now. <laughs> I was actually gonna say like this is this I'm sure like I think you you said before this you said that oh he yeah asked this definitely came up about yeah. this this book it being an yep. episode yep and um yes I'm sure that he know this sort of thing is definitely his right down, down his up alley. his alley yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that. So yeah, so and obviously I I feel he feels like he is far more into sci-fi than the average person, but I still <laughs> think that um someone who is even generally into sci-fi, I think that this book, especially if you've read anything that came out after it, uh mm-hmm. that is sort of in the same genre of mm-hmm. of the things we've mentioned, you will find enjoyment from this book just from the like the historical standpoint of it being a huge jumping off point for a lot of sci-fi writers and movies yeah yeah totally i think it's interesting that uh the book was written in 54 but then he bases the book set in 76 to 79 so it's interesting that he he didn't go like years into the future we're just talking you know like 20-ish years into the future relatively um, I thought that was an interesting choice, and I, I didn't do much research on why he decided that twenty years out was the like optimal time right. period. But yeah, it was interesting. But I, I thought that was like it is in the future for him. But now yes. we're like it's still dated, even though it's well it's in the past sci-fi. for us. Yeah, but it's when the twenty years in the future for him. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Because yeah. in my mind, I was thinking of the setting of two thousand seven for the film in my yes. mind when I was visualizing things, but I'm like, nope, this is in the 70s. So, you know, all the equipment that he was stealing from the mm-hmm. schools would not be like full-blown electronic microscopes yeah. or anything like calibrated in that sense. It would all be kind of old school tech. And it was just interesting to to have to kind of remap my brain of what the aesthetics would have been like right. in his mind when he was writing it in the 50s for the 70s. But I, I liked that. I thought that was cool. And the movie actually takes place in 2012. Um, but Right, right, because it, it starts in 2009. Yeah. yeah. Well, then let's just jump into the film. I feel like we've, we've yeah. hit a lot of the highlights of the book. So I can do a quick synopsis of the film, and then we'll jump into that bad boy. 
I Am Legend is a 2007 American post-apocalyptic action thriller film loosely based on the 1954 yeah. novel of the same name by Richard Matheson. Robert Neville, played by Will Smith, a brilliant military scientist, is a survivor of a man-made plague that transforms humans into bloodthirsty mutants. He wanders alone through New York City, calling out for other possible survivors, and works on finding a cure for the plague using his own immune blood. Neville knows he is badly outnumbered and the odds are against him, and all the while, the infected wait for him to make a mistake that will deliver Neville into their hands. Ooh. <laughs> uh, very early aught, like, action film vibe yes. to that description. Um, also, you know, it's stereotypical Will Smith action vibe as well, which was, yeah. this was kind of like the midst of his very action-packed career moments, I feel. Yeah, didn't this come out some t- pretty similar time as uh, uh, iRobot? Oh, that's a good question. I think iRobot was f- first, but I think they came out pretty close together. Yeah, um, which is I another like, er- sci-fi yeah. Uh, yeah. Will Smith movie. Uh, I I am robot. That's uh, Asimov, I think. Yeah, that's Asimov. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, very same vein. But I feel like early aughts. There were so many disaster movies coming out. Yes. <laughs> around this time. Yeah. Like Day After Tomorrow and The Happening yeah. and like all these horribly not good movies. The uh, remake <laughs> of The Day the Earth Stood Still, which I guess is an alien movie, but I actually kind of liked that. With Keanu and Reeves. Again, yeah. Actually, I didn't mind it. I feel yeah. like Dan might punch me in the face because I know he has strong emotions about that. Oh, the remake. Dan, we're looking back at you, kid. Yeah. Just do that one. Have him on an episode to talk about that one. Saw my list. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of these kind of, well, I guess like Independence Day kind of came out roughly around this. So a lot of alien invasion. That was 90s, I think. Was, was it 90s? Independence oh, Day's. okay. The, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But it was also Will Smith. Still Will Smith. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of these kinds of films were coming out around this era. So I feel like they were just kind of riding that wave for this yeah. one. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> first things first. Uh, it takes place in New York, so there's one. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be comparison because, man, yeah. is it different. Oh, my God. Like, the title yeah. and the main character names are the same, and I feel like that's kind of where it stops. <laughs> and it's, yeah, there's a there's a contagion. Uh, yeah, that's And there's a the... contagion, yeah. But, I mean, right out the gate, he's a military scientist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of a, was a weird choice. Um, yeah. I... I want to talk about the very first scene of this. Well, technically the second scene because the okay. movie starts with um, Emma Thompson uh, <laughs> yeah. randomly for 10 seconds. I know. Um, Emma what Thompson is this scientist that has that. Right. I know. I know. I thought that too. I was like, oh, is she in this movie? And no, I just forgot. She's, that she's in the first no. five seconds of this film as like on a, a channel network doing an interview and then you never see her yeah again. like and what she's was like the we have that? found a way to cure cancer <laughs> and and we have cured cancer in 10,000 subjects 2009 sub uh mm-hmm. test subjects and uh and basically all we did was we took cancer and we re re-engineered it to cure itself or mm-hmm. something like that or measles i don't remember exactly but they took a disease some sort of and disease they re- and switched it around yeah yeah they engineered it to basically cure another disease cancer mm-hmm. and so that is the premise of this and then it does a nice big jump three years forward and the first thing we see is a bright red 
uh, like Chevy or something. I think it's a Ford oh, yeah, Mustang American. Yeah. GT. Something American. Yeah, like, and and it's bright, shiny, bright red with a white racing stripe on the side. The first thing, yeah, the first thing I was watching with Sam, and the first thing Sam said was like, "How is that car so clean?" Yes. Like, and I was right? like. Also, like, not, not fuel efficient. Not <laughs> dented. Yeah, like the most inefficient thing that you, like a sports car driving around mm-hmm. in the, a post-apocalyptic New York, which it's like, where are the cars? Which there they do go into it a little bit where like yeah. some of the streets are very packed with cars. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I thought was like this movie, it's like very similar to Transformers <laughs> where this movie, like this this car is an ad like because they very very specifically show oh God, all yeah. of like the it's like the GT five uh, I think I'm not a very car person but oh I, I, care less. I recognize <laughs> I recognize this car like and I'm not a car person yeah. like it is straight up an ad like that is the really the first thing we see in this movie product so placement baby kind of gives a <laughs> yeah kind of gives a tone there's some stuff later on that um. I think it's gosh. When is it? He definitely has I an sh- iPod in in a scene. At some yes, point. he they has an iPod. In, but it's obviously an iPod. So there's some stuff in there. I think it's in when he's in his lab. Um, I think some of the equipment he has has brand names on like it Sony too, or something on it, like Sony. <laughs> like how? Yeah, like they always do this sort of thing, and it's like uh, I know that like you have to, you know, the money for a movie has to come from somewhere. Yeah. But there is some stuff that really kind of takes you out of it. Yep. Um, like a bright red uh, Mustang. <laughs> Unnecessary car. <laughs> because in the next scene, he has switched to the other car, which is the not marked, unmarked Like an actual like, SUV, SUV, like Jeep or something or other. Yeah. Yeah. Which is much more industrial and practical. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. And he can carry all the stuff in it. It has like, right. a, like, a, like a roof like mount. Like a rack for... on the top. Yeah. Yeah. It's way more practical. It's yeah. It's you know probably all uh, four wheel drive because and it's he a Jeep. never he never drives that that sports nope. car again. It's just in the beginning. So like I was thinking about that too. I was like, why choose that car out of anything? Like, and I'm wondering if they he just picked it because he was in the very beginning. He it looks like there's like stag and deer that are running around New, New York City because everything's yeah. completely taken over by nature, which. I will say props to that because I actually really love when nature yes. takes over urban areas. I love that aesthetic. So that was yeah. pretty cool. But I think like the rationale was, oh, I need something fast. Right. And I'm going hunting. So that's why we right. rationalized a sports car. Like that's the only thing I can think of is wh- uh, that and product placement. But yes, I think exactly. that's like that's where they were going with that. It was like, oh, we need to be speedy. And what's speedier than a slick race car looking car? Like right. I think that's where that. I, I think that's probably still kind of dumb though and i like, agree I, it's like how is it so clean yeah it's <laughs> like, so why clean. is he wasting water on cleaning his car when it's like you should be drinking that water yeah <laughs> it's a it's apocalyptic like water is like gold you don't and, like waste shine cleaning and your waxed. car yeah <laughs> yeah and that wasn't a thing that like because at first I was like, maybe he just took it out because it's sort of a recreational thing. But then, but he, also, right? I guess I don't know. He is going. He does see the deer, and so it's like, yeah, like is he using it only because? But then, like, it's super loud. So like, loud. 
it's like how can how could you effectively hunt deer which are very easily spooked animals uh, like Mm -hmm. in a loud sports car like and think about where he was driving it's new york where everything's just it's a cement jungle so everything the sound is just ricocheting off of everything and he's the only only sound sound. (laughs) yeah yeah Everything else is like birds, birds also, chirping. Can we just go back to like how fuel ineffective that those cars are? So it's like also gasoline is a commodity that you're right. barely going to find because nobody's making it anymore. It's going to run out eventually. It's going to run out. So why waste it on a car that gets two miles to the gallon and you're running around New York trying to hunt? And it's like it didn't make any sense. Yeah. It didn't make sense, but it's, it looked real cool on screen. <laughs> but it looked really cool, and I think that that's that's kind of a lot of this movie. Like, yeah, it was pretty. This movie pretty looks spots. good. Yeah, some of the CG is dated. But... Well, yeah, two thousand seven. It it definitely like the the vampires are very uh, obviously CG. I don't think it was as bad as some things I've seen that were newer. Yes. Technically, like The Hobbit, <laughs> right? So, which that was kind of weird. But, this movie has an yeah. excuse of being, you know, actually dated. <laughs> yeah, like thirteen, uh, f- fifteen years old at god, this point. Fifteen years old. Yeah. Oh my god. So wow. Yeah. This movie has an excuse for for the CG being dated because it is. Yes, um, it is. I actually we watched with the subtitles on. Oh. And um, they every time the because they're not really vampires in the mm. movie. They call um, them hemocytes. Yeah. Oh, so 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 okay. there's two things they call them in this movie. At the end, they call them dark seekers. Well, she calls them dark seekers and Oh, that's right, she does, yeah. And he then calls them that because he says you're so called dark seekers. Mm-hmm. But the and subtitles by she, were ref- referring to Alice Braga who is a woman that he finds in yes. the film, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um <laughs> the subtitles, he doesn't call them anything th- throughout the whole book. Or throughout the whole it movie. And them, I think, is, yeah. He and then the subtitles refer to them as hemocytes. Huh. Um, which That's never mentioned. Never, ever. We we looked up, uh, and I obviously knew hemo is blood. Blood-related, uh, yeah. And hemocyte, we looked up, it had something to do with, like, a bacterial, uh, I think it had something to do with. Like a blood infection? It, it was something to do like it's it's a, a hemocyte is a real thing that exists to I think it's a defense against viruses. It's a material um, made from sawdust and the blood of slaughtered cattle, <laughs> according to Google. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> well, that's not it. <laughs> well, maybe maybe uh, maybe it's not. Yeah, maybe it's not a real thing. Well, maybe um, I didn't spell it right. <laughs> oh, it's C-Y-T-E-S. Oh, that would be why. Yeah, yeah. Because it's medical. I'm thinking a hemocyte is what I was oh, typing. Oh, hemocyte. In. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, medication is an iron supplement used to treat or prevent low blood levels of iron. So it's okay. An iron yes, supplement. that's what it was. It's an mm-hmm. iron. It's a, which is kind of funny to have a something named that is supposed to be a vampire, which like anemia mm-hmm. is sort of a thing that you could say vampires mm-hmm. could be considered anemic um, in a weird way yeah in a weird way <laughs> um, blood deficient so they need more blood they need to be, more yeah. blood that, this thing is named it, yeah. after something that is good for anemia. a blood booster yeah <laughs> and they are they are they whole movie talks about them being 
very attracted to blood, the smell of blood. Yeah. And so he, at several points, he uses his own blood as like a bait to, for like traps. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they're very attracted to the smell of blood, I would assume. And mm-hmm. but But yeah, they never, ever call them that in the movie except the subtitles do they list you know i didn't even check did they list it in the credits as like (laughs) actually that's one versus two versus because i think they have like alpha male and alpha female are are two of like the predominant listings and now i have to go back and check yeah i don't (laughs) know actually where did that come from and nobody says it that's so interesting my guess is because i know for a fact did you actually this is a good question did you watch the alternate ending as well as the theatrical (gasps) version no so there are two endings to this movie oh no i yeah i don't think i did so the theatrical version of this movie is well the alternate ending of the movie is the original ending that the director made and filmed Mm -hmm. and finished like okay and then he showed it to the studio and the studio said no that ending (laughs) sucks and (laughs) and instead do this ending and so the theatrical version is the ending where he with the grenade and yeah. they go and they go off to mm-hmm. Vermont. Yeah. Um, that is the theatrical oh ending God. that the studio wanted. The alternate ending is weirdly more accurate to the book. Uh, really? Even then, it still is a Pretty little loose. bit stupid, but it's, <laughs> but it's, actually thematically <laughs> more coherent with the rest of the movie which makes sense because it's what the director that's what it was wanted. originally supposed to be <laughs> yeah. and then uh and then also um uh just slightly closer to the to the end of the book a little interesting. bit interesting no it still I is missing a huge portion of what the end of the book but yeah it is still like i it feels more thematically similar huh. um which is so it's really too bad that they cut that out yeah, um, I'm going to have to go rewatch that because uh, I definitely yeah. watched the movie and I was like, okay, check that off my list. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> it is literally the theatrical or the alternate version might have more throughout the movie. I didn't rewatch the whole thing. I just well, knew that the Well, I can't ending, promise I'll do that. Yeah. I can't watch that movie again. Uh, that scene in the God bless. lab, the entire scene, pretty much most of the scene in the lab at the end is mm-hmm. is different. Wow. Yeah, that's a good chunk of the end. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, that's, that's like we're the not whole talking climax. like five, ten minutes. We're talking like twenty-ish minutes, if, yeah. if not more. I mean, that's that is like... the whole climax of the movie, and the outcome of the movie changes. Wow! wow. Yeah. Okay. It is. Ooh. It is fascinating that they. Ooh, now I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. I'm not surprised because all I hear a lot about this sort of stuff, especially recently, where the director or the writer will like ha- the screenwriter will have something very coherent because it's one person who has written this right story in this adaptation <laughs> yeah. and so the ending oftentimes makes sense to the rest of it because it's written by the same person and then the studio will come in and and submit changes uh which is not uncommon but it. oftentimes yeah. yeah it usually ends up making it worse because or at least makes it less coherent mm-hmm. and so that this movie i think there's a lot of movies around the time to- that time and still i mean the yeah. idea of like a um a uh 
test audiences and yeah. uh, screen tests and stuff like uh, screen tests is different, but test audiences yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this test, polled test really screenings. well with this test yeah. screen. Yeah. And yeah. this polled well with this audience. And so we had hodgepodge that together. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. yeah, like, have you ever read Rotten Tomatoes reviews by by viewers? <laughs> They are the most insane mixed bag. (laughs) They're really funny, but like you read this, like you read it, and like this person's like, I read this, I watched this movie, uh, and it'll be like a horror movie or like a like a the the new um, Knives Out one that came out. Oh yeah, the the Onion one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's like reviews written for that that are like uh, two thirds of the movie they completely like. They like they completely throw the the plot and it like completely changes and they reveal something that completely changes the whole thing of the movie and it's like do you not know what a mystery is like, <laughs> like why are you watching this movie do you not understand how that like trope or that like murder works? mysteries yeah, mur- work like, uh, like it's like you've never seen a whodunit before where you're like yeah. misdirection over here and wh- that's the whole point. <laughs> That is the entire point of that genre. <laughs> and so you have stuff like that where you're like, just like someone's watching a horror movie yeah. and they're like, oh, I didn't like the part where like they weren't getting attacked and it was loud and screaming. <laughs> I liked all the parts that were like that. And I liked I didn't like any of the parts where none of that happened. And so it's like. And then you have someone who's like, well, I liked the parts, the opposite of that. Yeah. And then you have to try and make a movie that yeah. accomplishes both polar of that. opposites. Yeah. And it's like, and it ends up just being neither or too much of one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this yeah. movie, knowing that the ending was completely a rewritten. lot more subdued yeah. in the original version and less actiony and and sort of like yeah. the end of the theatrical version is like kind of a feel good ending and it's like a bittersweet ending but it's a bittersweet but, ending yeah. but it's far more like feel good of like well he more resolution i would say yes yeah and the yeah. and the alternate version is not a little less that well i feel like we'll just jump into comparison cuz i tell you what it's we're talking night and day folks like these there's, are there's yeah. really not much to compare besides a pandemic is has occurred it was man made and then a dude is left alone being the last man standing and that's right. about where it stops <laughs> and even the left being alone is even different. yeah that is even kind of meh. so yeah so the ending so let's talk about the ending of the film first since we were already okay. kind of talking about that so the ending of the film is you know alice braga and uh is a character whose name is anna i believe and she something is something like that she finds will smith almost dead from being attacked like the horrible he dog tries scene. to kill himself yeah he tries to basically because kill himself his, dog dies. his dog has died and we'll get into that I, yeah I, I guess um if we have to but uh well, so say anna, we'll have to mention i mean god bless uh so anna finds him she's got her son she says there's like some sort of uh contagion free area yeah. in in vermont vermont somewhere in the, in the mountains. mountains and she wants to take him with with them yeah and so then he's like, there is no, like, everyone's dead. You don't know what you're talking about. And then in, in the, with them kibitzing, then it turns into, oh, no, you led the vampires right to my house. And then yes. they, like, break their way in and they get inside. And he goes down to a lab that he has under his house where he was trying to find a cure, which, ta-da, 
cinema magic, he's found a cure. He found it's it, in right? The blood. <laughs> yeah. Right before they it. blow up the house. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then he sacrifices himself to save Anna and her son. They hide. He blows everybody up in the house with him. And then and she's gives, got a blood vial. Yeah. That the is the blood vial. of a, a vampire that he looked like he had been curing. And he said, the answer's in the blood because, you know, reasons. Yeah. And, then, and also God. <laughs> and God did it all. Okay. That. Can we just like have a second? <laughs> to talk about it that. It felt real real heavy-handed. It was so heavy-handed. Uh, yeah, so then Anna comes in and she's like, God led me to you and God made me know to come to this city and find yeah. you. And, and, and all and you have to I, do is listen. Yeah, it's like nothing else is happening right now, so all you have to do is listen and God's voice is out there. And then Will Smith in his hardened ways is like, God is dead. There is no God. Yeah. God didn't cause this. We did. And then yeah. at the very, very end, there's a flashback where his daughter, who actually is played by Willow Smith, his actual daughter his actual in real daughter. life. Yeah. And then she's like, Daddy, look, it's a butterfly. Oh, the butterfly. <laughs> and then he starts seeing butterflies everywhere, and he's like, God, it's God. It's a sign from God. It's a yeah. sign from, we're in a mission from Ged. So then that yeah. happens, and then he blows himself up, and then they, you know, Anna and her son make it to uh, Vermont or wherever they're going, and then they find a commune of everyone's safe, and they hand the blood over in a ceremoniously yeah, close-up this... shot of hands. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, <laughs> is it like people could like if they watch this movie, people would be like, I didn't. Did they hand the blood over? I didn't see. It I don't happen. know. <laughs> and they had to literally have a close-up, very of two close. hands, and then like yeah, a voiceover explaining, "I'm handing I'll, this over. We'll take it from secret. here." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's oh, it is the most heavy, heavy-handed. Yeah, uh, like yeah. just like clubbing people over the head with like it's a happy ending. <laughs> they found the cure, and he sacrificed, and he believed in God. Yeah, like Oof. it's the ending is so sudden to the rest yeah. of the movie. Even yes, it's like it's it's slow burn. Kind of, and then they get to the house, and then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, and then they're ripping the house apart, and then we're running around the house. I'm shooting things, and now we're downstairs, and now I must blow everything up, and then we're done. And it was just like, it's, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's the big action finish that the studio, yes. I'm sure, wanted. Yeah, they wanted big explosions. Early 2000s. And some symbolism. <laughs> yeah, symbolism. Symbolism. Uh, yeah. Let's... Yeah, that was something. Yeah, and, and and the alternate version. Oh yeah, of the film so, still. <laughs> so the alternate version of the of the film ending is he the he finds Anne and they sh- they go home and then she brings him to his home and then they follow them and that that's all the same and they ended up in the lab and they cure he's cured the the lady vampire mm-hmm. that he kidnapped earlier and. The big guy shows up and he's slamming on the glass and then he stops slamming on the glass. And instead of the butterfly being in the cracks of the glass, which was really stupid uh, in the original, symbolism, he <laughs> stops slamming into the glass and he has his like dirty little paw that he like. <laughs> his little raccoon paw. He, he yeah, he <laughs> makes, he smudges something that looks kind of like a butterfly onto the glass oh, and okay. will smith is like instead of the okay. cracks and will smith goes huh 
And then he looks down at the vampire lady and he sees that she has a butterfly tattoo on her. Oh, instead of Anna who has the butterfly instead tattoo on Anna, her Anna who neck. has the butterfly tattoo yeah. on her neck. That yeah. is completely gone. And yeah. he sees that she has the, but- the the vampire lady that he's kidnapped and tested on. It's has, his wifey poo. It's his, yeah. So we f- we realize that this whole time he's not been trying to kill Will Smith. He he's wants his lady necessarily, back. He wants his girlfriend yeah. back. Aww. His wife, his partner. And so Will Smith goes, okay, I'm and I'm going to bring her out to them. Uh, and Wow. And so he... Totally uh, different. Opens the door and he wheels her out, and the big guy like stops all the other vampires from killing Will Smith. He tell he tells them like he makes a noise, and they keep trying to like go after him, but they he tells them to stop. And then he hands what? her over, and he she wakes up, and they do like this little thing where like they hug each other, like the vampires like nuzzle their little faces together, and then what? uh. And then oh it God, cuts to, to the, the three of them in the car driving to Vermont together. So Dude. he does not die. And and so but he doesn't get the cure from her. So the he gives up the cure to, to just let them to live. give her back to them and then wow. goes and lives goes to Vermont. But we never see be... that Vermont exists. So we oh, don't even just, know. They're driving if it off exists. into the distance. <gasps> yeah. Oh, Wow. It's better. It's Dude, it that's is way better. <laughs> way better. It's still not the book's ending, but it no. is better. But it made more sense. Yeah. Technically. Because the whole yeah. thing now don't now the whole thing with the butterflies and his daughter, truly I have no idea why his daughter is talking about butterflies. All they, they needed. Yeah. All they yeah. needed was a scene where he, after he kidnaps the or I say kidnaps. I mean he does, but after he, he kid he kidnaps the vampire lady to uh, test on her, <laughs> test on her for, because he finds that he can cure. He cures a rat of, and he says, "Okay, it time shows." For sh- yeah, it shows signs of getting like less aggressive aggression. Skin pigmentation starts to yeah. normalize, um, and it hasn't died or gotten more aggressive, which all yeah. the other test subjects Rats. have. So yeah. he's like, "Now we can move on to human like testing." Yeah. And so he he brings her and he has the the human he tries the human trials and it fails and he ends up killing her and then he brings her back to life somehow. I I don't know if it's like an uh, adrenaline what? shot. Uh, or yeah, he, I know because it's like she dies and then he just like injects her and then she goes back to breathing in a creepy like wait like her her BP is like. 200 <laughs> it's like 200 or something it's yeah her high. resting heart rate is 200 so scary and her her temperature her body temperature is 105 yeah like resting yeah, yeah that's stressful so Not she's natural. on the table unconscious breathing like <laughs> yeah it's really her creepy. breath is like yeah her so chest fast. is like going like going up and down yeah it's so she's, creepy and that's her unconscious yeah so he all they needed was a scene and that moment was for him to like notice that she had a butterfly tattoo at that point because we don't we never see that tattoo at any point until right. that moment until that and point. he has to like turn her over almost to see it no. that she has it so it's like how the f- how would you how know did that? he know how did he know that she had it he had to have seen it at some point oh my god that's so dumb see yeah so, that that's again you lost me but yeah, so even still in the better, better than ending, the actual. it still <laughs> misses the mark a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then on the flip side, why don't you tell yes. us 
how the actual like book ending is. The book, dang man. The last third of the book, mm-hmm. it so this has is, a yeah, we're back. mild similarity mm-hmm. in that he. In the, in the book, it jumps forward three years, and he has stopped drinking. He's got, like, a big, long beard, and his hair is all grown out. And he's kind of – and he's wandering around, and he's um, looking. And then he just suddenly, off in the distance, sees a woman, like, in a in, sundress. Again, in broad daylight. In broad daylight. Yeah. He sees a woman wandering around, and he is so stunned because he's like, oh, my God. I think he thinks that he's imagining or something. Yeah, I think he thought he was hallucinating at first. And it's, he sees something, and she doesn't see him. She's off in the distance, and then he, like, calls out to her or something. Um, and, and he even, I think he remarks that it's like he hasn't spoken words in right. years. In like, years. <laughs> yeah. And he even, like, kind of sounds, he's, like, forgotten how to be, like, a person. Yeah. And he calls out to her, and then he, and she, it startles her. And then she starts, she like looks scared. She's pretty far away at this point. And then he just, he just starts running towards her and then at her. And then she, and then she starts to run away and he, and he goes, (laughs) wait, wait, stop. Like, and cause he's just really amazed that there's a person and he finally catches up to her. He tackles her. He tackles her because he, he tackles her because she's actively running away from him yeah. because this big, big grizzly man is just yeah. full ass hauling at her. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's in nuts. like combat boots and he's like, <laughs> yeah. he is like, and he has no, like he, he's just running at her. And yeah. so, and they, they don't know each other. And so he knocks her out or she, I think he accidentally knocks her out or something. He no, he doesn't knock her out, but he pins her down so she can't leave because she keeps trying to get away. Yeah. And then he picks her up and drags her back to his house. Yeah, he takes her back to his house and then <laughs> has said ah. like no words to her. No, he just it's sort of like a Tarzan Jane situation. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, he brings her back and then they start to talk. And he says that like it's really interesting because he doesn't actually feel feel any physical attraction towards her as a and he's and because he's surprised by it that he doesn't at the beginning at the beginning he doesn't feel he's like i've been i've sort of given up on that sort of aspect of being a human being and he like doesn't really know how to hold a conversation anymore he doesn't know what to talk about like he feels very awkward he feels like and he feels bad because he did he recognizes that he kidnapped her and that he kind of was a little bit are irrational with bringing her back yeah and so they sort of it's a mess <laughs> start to talk and he's suspicious of her too because he's like how have you survived he's asking her questions and the answers she's giving don't really seem yeah. to add up like it's like how did you survive and it's like she's like i just kind of survived and he's like uh I'm okay not buying it. yeah and so he eventually like in oh and he shows her like the like his records he shows her his like studying of uh of the, All the molecular uh, bacteria stuff he's doing. Yeah. and he says like oh well we'll you know I'll test I'll test your blood and if you're infected it's okay I'll, I'll, I'll fix you. I'm working on a cure I can cure you yeah and she's worried because she's like what if I'm infected and you can't and like does that mean you're going to kill me because you can't cure me mm-hmm. and he says oh don't worry about it. Uh, we'll get there when we get there <laughs> yeah and she's obviously not pleased with that answer no. and um so then it 
it's really only like two days or a day or something that it's he not has much time back yeah and but he also sh- throws garlic in her face because he's yes. trying to figure out like are you a vampire and he shoves a whole plate of garlic and she's like uh i haven't eaten in like days i've been running around and then you yeah. chased and tackled me down and i'm really stressed and i feel like i'm gonna throw up so maybe instead of you thinking i'm a vampire maybe it's because of that yeah she ends up yeah she runs to the bathroom and throws up because throws up she, immediately and, and he's suspicious because he's mm-hmm. like oh well that is the exact reaction a vampire would have to garlic yeah. and she says no i am physically stressed i'm yeah. dehydrated i haven't eaten you're i'm scared shitless like yeah. of yeah. course of course and i'm goes, sick right he now. goes yeah okay that kind of makes sense yeah and and so he's very suspicious of her and then eventually they're I think listening to music and and uh, mm-hmm. she's kind of fascinated with like all the stuff he has. Like he's like, wow, this. She's like, this is a pretty nice house, actually. Yeah, she keeps making comments of like, wow, you've got like so much food and cans and storage, and you've got all this like all these lights and generators, and you've got an AC and like all this stuff that he's got in his house. And she's like, we didn't have anything like that at yeah. my house. And yeah. so that's where he, they kind of start asking each other questions of like, how have you survived this long? Where's your family? Where did you come from? And they just kind of break down. And he is extremely suspicious of her yeah. the whole time. And then I believe he kind of he kind of relents a little bit and says like he because he wants he keeps wanting to test her blood immediately. Mm-hmm. immediately. And then he finally says, OK, we could do it later. And she says, OK. And so then they go to sleep. They have like a little bit of a romantic moment. Yeah, it's like so, kind I don't remember of. What the lead in is, it's like they have a, a very nice embrace, and I think they kiss. I think so, but nothing point. really comes of it. And then but I think it's... they just snuggle in the bed. I think, I think so. It's just like they just need contact, which is like okay, I can kind of get that. Yeah. Like. Yeah. There's like one moment that. where he realize. I think she's wearing his shirt or something because yeah. he because he like just like she, well, she tore he her dress. Her dress. That's so what it was because he grabbed her and it is visible, and so she's trying to cover it up so he gives her a shirt, and that's yeah. he's like she's a lady under that that shirt. Yeah, he's like, oh, she's kind of shapely, and it's like, <laughs> it's like oh, there's okay. a little bit of that. It comes yeah. back, yeah. um, but he doesn't he doesn't do anything. And he and he seems to be at that point he does not appear to be like holding himself back as much as he was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even says like that he's kind of surprised because it's not like <laughs> anything's really changed. But yeah, yeah, they do kind of have like a a, a moment, but they don't end up doing really anything besides mm-hmm. just like having a kind of a personal moment. So they go to sleep, and then he wakes up, and she's like fully dressed i think mm-hmm. and she's like ready to leave yeah and he's like hey what's going on and she's like oh i just couldn't sleep he's like why are you dressed and she's like oh because <laughs> i'm leaving no. <laughs> and yeah and then she tries to leave and then he's like he's like no i, think, I think she so. even like gets the door open even and i think and this he, is like, at night though she's trying to yeah. leave at night which was and the, he's, he's like, like well, what you are you can't doing? do that. You just yeah. can't do that. Like mm-hmm. you won't live through it. And yeah. he gets the door open. She gets the door open. And I think like the vampires that are outside are like, oh yeah. And they like start trying to come in mm-hmm. and they close the door. And I think that's the point where he says like, I want, I, we're going to test your blood or something. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up taking a he sample of her blood, blood yeah. and then he puts it in the microscope and he goes, oh my God. 
and then uh, she hits him over the she head. She hits with him something. over the head with something, and he yeah. n- knocks him out. I think it's something on one of his shelves or something. But yeah, yeah, she hits him hard and it knocks him out. And so then he wakes up and she's left him a note. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and explaining like, yeah, so I'm one of them, and what he saw in the and the microscope was that she's fully infected like she is integrated with this mm-hmm. bacteria and is not like it's not like she's just got infected and and whatever it's only a matter of time yeah she's yeah very she's much already infected. one and so mm-hmm. she says yeah i'm one and we figured out a way to be out in the daylight mm-hmm. and we have there's like a section of us that are really intelligent and we're creating our own civilization Mm-hmm. And I was tasked to spy on you, and but then uh, I fell in love with you. And yeah, there's like a little bit of that where she's like, <laughs> I realized that like because they're afraid of him because yeah. Which he comes. Yeah, the yeah the title, the title, the title of the book, the title is I Am Legend, and the reason for that title is because all of the vampires are absolutely terrified of Neville because. He just goes around and slaughters everyone. Yeah. So he has Thousands become of them. a legend in their civilization that they are currently trying to build. Yeah. And he's just he's just a maniac running around and just killing everyone. And so he yeah. is he is the legend. So yeah. they're terrified of him. It's it's wild. It's wild. And, and it's like the last five pages of the book, really, that they reveal that that yeah. is. So they they. It jumps forward like six months. She says, uh, you have some amount of time. We're going to get together a military. They we're going to wipe out all of the, we're going to wipe out all of the feral vampires because mm-hmm. we can't, they, they can't be reasoned with. Mm-hmm. We're going to wipe them out and then we're going to kill you or, or then we're going to capture you or something like you said they're coming for you yeah so she didn't mention if they were going to kill him or not but they said they're coming and they know where you live so go up in the mountains somewhere and just start over and he didn't do it and he He doesn't do that he stays and then one day a bunch of vampires in military gear Mm -hmm. and guns uh show up I actually don't know if they have guns. I think because the guns don't work. I think they have like spears and swords and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they just start slaughtering all the vampires around his house, including um, the neighbor Ben. Ben Cortman. Cortman. Ben Cortman ends up, he was hiding in a A nearby roof in a -hmm. a chimney. Mm -hmm. And he watches Ben and he says he feels kind of a sadness because he kind of had at this point had come to respect him a little bit because he'd been so clever and had evaded him for so long and he also was kind of the one who wanted to kill him yeah and uh and he felt a sadness and he was kind of rooting for him to get away from them uh and he but he does it. not get away yeah and they end up killing all of them and then they come in and he shoots them i think he shoots at them and then they're like he's got a gun so then they shoot him yeah <laughs> And With so his they gun. <laughs> they wound him and they capture him. Yeah, and they bring them to hit bring him to their their camp or whatever camp. It is. The, yeah, yeah, and they put him in in prison, and he is like bleeding out, like he's gonna die soon. And yeah. um, she comes, but I don't remember her name actually now. Um, I don't remember if it was Anna or if it was something else. I don't remember her name either. That's a good question. She, but she basically she comes up and she says like, "Hey." Uh, Ruth is her name. Uh, I just Ruth. looked at the book. Um, yeah. She comes up in the 
and speaks to him and says like you know they were only they were supposed to capture you alive and because they but they were going to execute him anyway so he would have died regardless because yeah because he is uh the boogeyman to them Mm -hmm. and they it's amazing everyone is out looking at his cell and they're like kind of in awe and in fear of him Mm -hmm. and doesn't he like hobble over to his prison window and they all see him and they're all like oh my god it's the boogeyman and that's where it ends the book and that's where the move the book ends it's crazy he's in prison and he's going to bleed to to death executed yeah and she says like i wish that it didn't have to be this way and he says doesn't she give him like she some sort like a, of like cyanide pill or something yes, she gives him something she, she gives him something to and it yeah that's what it is he's mm-hmm. he's going to take something and die mm-hmm. so that they can't execute him mm-hmm. um yeah totally different yep <laughs> it's so wild yeah. yeah and the and the point of it is that he is the legend like because he has been kidnapping cuz the ones he hasn't been killing he's been kidnapping and testing on yeah for years years and like he would run experiments on like what does stabbing them in does he have to stab him in the heart can i stab mm-hmm. them anywhere in the leg yeah and like what happens if i do this and he if drags I put him them out? out into the sun and sees how long it takes for them to die i mean he does yeah. some pretty messed up stuff of just like testing out his theories to see what works and what doesn't work yeah um he yeah. is a it, it is it is sort of the brutality of science which is very mm-hmm. interesting that it goes into the idea of like he is trying he's doing all of this to find a cure but, but when you take the the humane parts out of it and you take like empathy and you take the human characteristics that make you a quote civilized being if you take that all out of the equation what are you, you're left with just brutality and yeah. just torture in in the name of science, which is like <laughs> Nazi Germany kind of thing going on. Exactly. Right? So yeah, you take all of that compassion and humanity out of it. This is kind of what you're left with. And it's terrifying and fascinating to see. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and he is the monster in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Because, and and the it's so interesting because the entire book, all we know is his perspective and right. why he's Until doing it. the very end. To yeah. the very end where it's like, well, if you look at it from the other point of view, he's the one coming out and murdering them. Hundreds, thousands of them that he's yeah. killed over a several year period. Mm-hmm. And the movie <laughs> does not have really almost any of that. Nope. There's like a scene at the end where uh, Anna or Anne sees all the pictures on the wall of all the test oh, subjects all he's had dead test subjects yeah but that is the only there is we never have any indication at before that point that he has been doing this mm-hmm. they don't show it they don't talk about it Th- that is I mean the, they show it with the one female that he has in his lab so you yeah. can kind of imply that he's been doing it for a while but the thing is they they go from like animal subjects to oh now we can do human testing but yeah. then they don't show any the of the human other testing. humans that he's gone through, just that one female that he's captured. Right. Um, again, on the film, I think my one, another kind of line through the film that I really didn't like was they they drill home that he's like a military scientist. And so right. New York City is ground zero and it's his uh site is what he keeps calling. It's like, this is my site. I can I need to fix this like I will fix this. 
Right. And like, I won't let this happen. Like he keeps saying that over and over. And it's like, it was just so drama. Yeah. It's my site. It's ground zero. I will fix this because I'm a man and I'm in the military. And And yeah. Yeah. Just I, it, they did that a lot in the film, and I was like, "Oh my god, stop!" I always wonder <laughs> about stuff like this, where the military, like especially because the military was not part of this original part of the original story at all, uh, at all. and and they injected it into this movie. And I always wonder about stuff like that because I do know that the U.S. military does pay for to be like featured in dude all in of movies. Top Gun, yeah. <laughs> All of Top Gun yeah. is is funded by the U.S. military. Absolutely, I mean, it's 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 like free publicity, but not real. I mean, yeah, it's it's they propaganda for them. Honestly, supply old military vehicles mm-hmm. to be used as props. Yep, um, they will train. Like there was that one uh, Aaron Eckhart movie that was it was an alien movie. It was like Battle <laughs> Battle for Los Angeles or something. Oh yeah, Battleship Los Angeles or something like that. Well, there was also the Battleship movie was also paid for by the U.S. Oh, military, God. but the, yeah, I know, yeah, they literally had like people come in who were military trainers come in and train the actors to, On to how act to be military accurately, like the U.S. military, yep. uh, and then funded the creation of that movie. And so I wonder for stuff like this, it's not as prominent, it's not as uh, overt maybe in this movie, but it does make me think that like, is that why they made him a military scientist in this? Or was it because it's 2007 and people were like, wouldn't believe that some random guy would be able to accomplish accomplish this? And so the writer was like, it's yeah, kind of well, a writer's has to be dodge. A military scientist. Yeah, I mean, I guess the scientist piece, I could see that being kind of an easier way to explain how does he know how to do all of this. And then the right. military component, maybe that is kind of how they're able to explain away how he's got, you know, the clearance to know the information he does right. and how he's so familiar with the variant. And like, again, like some of the more heartbreaking scenes that I think the film actually did well is. They flash back and forth between, you know, yeah. quote unquote, present day of what living alone is for him versus right when everything starts to the contagion starts to go airborne and he's trying to get his family out of New York and they're starting right. to like blow up the bridges to maintain the island's in- integrity from not spreading. And so I think that whole sequence of him being military clearance and actively having the ability to push his family through ahead of everybody else yeah. also kind of makes sense. Otherwise, if he was some Joe Schmo that just happened to have a science background, right. that would never be possible because he'd have to wait in line like everybody right. else. So I wonder if they just put more drive in yeah. his character for that. That's true. That it, it For those scenes specific, specifically, mm-hmm. I guess, is where most of that uh, really happens because it's mm-hmm. him being part of the military doesn't really make much of a difference after the that military he's, doesn't exist anymore. He's got the training anymore. and he's like got the discipline. So maybe like that's like the drive yeah. to keep looking for the cure slash that is his field. But yeah. I, yeah, I don't think, yeah. That's like the only thing I can think of is it just helped move the plot along for what they were trying right. to accomplish. Because none of that happens in the book. Like there's no talk of evacuation. He's not no. trying to get his family out. Also, his family dies because a helicopter runs into their helicopter before they can yeah. clear the area. So they don't even die from the contagion. No. So, like, there's just a lot of stuff that they just kind of went, whoop, we're not going to do that. So- yeah. And the dog is 
So the dog is in the flashbacks, Sam. and it's a little baby. He's a puppy when they first see him in the flashback. And they, um, his daughter gives the dog to him, and it's like and take care of the puppy. Take for care us. of the, and then I actually think she tells she tells the dog to take care of him. And, yeah. And the dog, and it, you know, to its credit, it does. Um, <laughs> and puppy. Then they die. Yes. minutes so after that like he's so he, watching them take off and then they explode yeah, and so this dog awful. is the only thing he has left of his family and yeah. and that was a huge difference in the movie is that yeah. he has the dog from the beginning yes and in that horrible he, so race car he, red car scene the dog's sticking his cute little face out the window yeah, the dog's like, oh in the God, passenger seat <laughs> it was a very cute german shepherd and, and it's played by the two best actors in the whole film, Abby and Kona, because they're yep. the best puppers ever. They're the best dogs. <laughs> not crying, you cry. They puppies. And I will say, he definitely he, for being part of the military. Uh, and it was actually very funny because the dog is named Sam, and I watched it with Sam. Um, <laughs> in <Inception>. And <laughs> both mentioned that like this dog is it, a sweet dog, and he he kind of fails the dog by not training it better. Like right? <laughs> he, there is a lot of instances where it's like it seems like the dog is trained. Like it, he goes into buildings and like the dog goes in first, and then it like barks, and then he it's knows a, that it's, it's clear, clear mm-hmm. and then he comes in, and like so the dog has some amount of training. But then like mm-hmm. there's the scene where it chases the deer into the darkness in, yeah. inside a building, like and if he it was trained, keeps, it would never do that. <laughs> and he keeps now. To be fair, he does say he does tell the dog to chase the deer. And then, but then he then is yelling, no, no, stop, stop. And the dog does not stop and just mm-hmm. goes into the dark. So then yeah. he has to go into the dark. And that honestly is one of the most tense scenes in the movie. That is incredibly stressful because they, they have, you know, it's, they have it feel like you're in pitched black and the only light source is the scope on his rifle. Yeah, he has a flashlight on his his gun. And he doesn't want to shine the light too much, so he keeps putting his hand in front of it and takes his hand off and then puts it in front of it, and he's doing that on and off, and then it's like, you see it, and then you don't, and then you see it. It's awful. Like, that is a very (laughs) well-filmed scene, I will say. Yeah. Very tense. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is, like, there are good moments in this movie. Uh, Yes. And and the movie looks good, and the movie is well-made. Cinematography was pretty beautiful and i do again going back to like nature taking over urban like areas they had a lot of that because i mean that's naturally what would start to happen there's no cars on the road to keep plants from growing animals would start coming back into the area because there's nothing to stop them from coming in so i mean there's a lot of that kind of stuff that would legitimately happen i will say all the buildings looked way too clean and not yes decrepit enough for the time yeah. that had happened and no one's there to maintain them but you know i digress right same thing with the cars but it, yes yeah i mean visually there was a lot of really cool things that they did um again and they kind of extrapolated all of this none of this is really highlighted in the book but you can kind of imagine what that might look like in a setting yeah. like this but yeah is parts of it were pretty cool but man that plot <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and I will say that I think that not that it not that it necessarily is better or anything, but I do think that I mean it's different. I think that the 
the way that the dog dies in the oh, movie it's so horrible i think is sadder than it is absolutely in the book. Um, because you've got that emotional connection the yeah. dog in the book is so fleeting you're like oh that's really sad that poor puppy he just wanted a friend but in the film it's like the dog is his last tie to his family he's had it since it was a puppy it is the only companion that yeah. he's had this entire time and then puppy gets bit by rabid puppies it, and yeah, then he, it gets and then yeah, it gets infected, protecting him, and because yeah. he gets hurt, he gets caught in a trap because the yeah. vampires set a trap for him. Because they using... see him set a trap for them, and they do the same technique, which I thought that was pretty cool. So there shows yeah. some sort of intelligence there. Yeah, not as much because they can't speak or anything like in the book, but there is some intelligence because they learned. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. They set a trap for him, and then yeah. they. There's like a hound master that lets these rabid dogs I go. Know. They have them on leashes. And I'm like, what's yeah. happening? <laughs> so there's like a there's a fair amount of yeah. intelligence going on there. And so yeah. these dogs come and so then his dog gets uh infected while he while protecting him. He was being a good puppy. Yeah, which is yeah, and and so then he brings the dog back and he he puts the he injects it with the um, the serum cure that worked on the rat but hadn't worked on the human yet he hadn't gotten it to work on the human but he injects the dog with it because he hopes that it'll work and then um he's like holding it and petting it and then he sees that its fur is coming out and it's like breathing is getting faster and i assume he can feel its heartbeat yeah and then it turns and starts trying to attack him and so then he has to kill it oh um my God. And yeah. and so and then the whole time he's I think he's singing Bob Marley. Yes, because Bob Marley is like his wife and his favorite music. So Bob Marley pops up all over. Like in yeah. the very beginning, he's giving the dog a bath to everything's gonna be all right. By and it's I yeah I'm getting emotional. And uh, then he's yeah. singing it when he and, and then has to kill the dog. and then has and to kill like, the dog oh while and he's singing it to himself. God. Um, it's really, it's really tough. It's, it's awful. Okay, so fun fact: when we first watched this, when it first came out, you and I and my and our mom and our sister were all watching it together, and I don't think yeah. any. I think you were the only one I was who the had, only seen, one had it. seen it, and we watched it at home, and I was not prepared. We had to pause the movie at that point because I was hysterically sobbing. Everyone <laughs> was, it was like awful. I was tears so in our upset. Eyes, like... I was so upset, and then. We finished it, and then I'm like, I'm never watching this movie again. And that was in 2007. <laughs> yeah, you have not watched it since then. Um, yeah, fun fact, I did actually go back and rewatch this, but I f skipped. Once the dog got injured, I skipped until after he had to bury the dog. And even then, I had to. I still cried because I knew <laughs> what happened. Yeah. It was awful. Oh, I, I, so I will say that they... That wrenching. Cha that change actually is, I would say, it's cinematically genius. Yeah, horrible it's to really, watch. Really, really bad. And then, and right yeah. immediately after, he tries to get himself killed. Uh, yeah, because he's just like, "What's the point? What's yeah. the point?" Like, he's I get like, it. The, I the would do something work. very similar. The dogs. His dog my, is my dead. only companion is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That and was. And then a that's really... when he gets found. Yes, and that's where another human comes into the mix. Which okay, that's another very like cinematog, like a uh, very like film trope thing where you're like yeah. all is lost but then somebody comes in and you're not alone after you think like you're actually alone like that yeah. whole the it just seemed very rushed after the dog died but i mean i yes. get you have to cram it all in a few hours but that dog scene i know that puppy yeah. i just 
could not handle how sad that was and i'm oh my god i'm getting the vapors it was so yeah such a horrible scene and that puppy was so cute i was like yeah if you are not, oh. if you if you it's like the, there's a website actually i think that's does like, the does, dog die does the dog die and i'm that's sure a website. that this it's movie on there. is on it um, um, for folks who cannot handle animals dying in films or any sort of like violence to animals or actually i think it has more than just animal deaths and violence or testing or whatever it actually tells you like is there body gore is are there oh, needles yeah. is there like people getting crushed like it has a whole drop down list of like you find the film you're looking for and then it'll tell you what boxes it checks for like triggering and it's called yeah. Uh, does the dog die i think is because i think that's what originally it was it was was originally for if animals died in films and then they've expanded for people who are like i don't like films with xyz in it and they want to check before they watch it so they're not like watching a third or a fourth of the film and then they're like nope which is right fun fact what i did with john wick (laughs) oh well at least you didn't make it that far in uh 15 minutes and then it took me like months months to go back and watch it because i was so traumatized by the dog i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty rough one too (laughs) nope i can't do it i can't that's actually kind of a similar one where it's like oh my god an animal given by a dead loved one by a bet yep it's like you get all the feels and then immediately get your soul crushed (laughs) it's just don't i don't like it i don't like those at all it feels i will say it feels a little um uh manipulative by filmmakers to oh absolutely that's the point (laughs) it's so easy to to like because yeah many people innocent many and many people like even if you aren't like super affected by it like people it's still like sad to watch animals get hurt like Mm -hmm. for you know for the most part Uh, yeah i think people in as a as a general don't like yes. seeing that um so it does sometimes feel a little bit like like easy points like it's like jump scares in horror movies it's like of <laughs> course i jumped of course i'm scared like because you're it's activating a natural this, action <laughs> yeah a loud My fight noise. or flight drive has just kicked in <laughs> like you're you are you're not doing anything special you're preying on my like my natural instinct <laughs> my to be a, afraid of a loud noise but it so also like, is there are some kind of geniuses to that though because that tension builds like you know it's coming but you don't know yeah. how and that's the execution makes it a lot better and I think kind of going back to that scary in the dark scene where uh, Sam the dog runs in and he's like crap I have to go get the dog but I don't want to go in there right that is a very like kind of jump scare moment but they don't actually do a jump scare but the tension there that yeah. you know you know where it's going and I feel like it's like a yeah. very Hitchcock kind of vibe where like they show something in the background and you know that oh that's gonna definitely be an issue later right and then you see like well here's your issue we're living it right now how's this gonna go down because you know it's only a matter of time you're like well i already know that these things like to be in the dark because they've already premised with he doesn't stay out after a certain time like the sun starts to go down he immediately goes shutters all his windows and closes up his house and then you hear crazy sounds at night so you know that the darkness brings something but you haven't seen it yet so i think that's a genius film plot like drive as far as like cinematography is concerned it just like that tension build it's pretty good but yeah some some horror films it's like it's overdone and it's like just scaring you for the sake of scaring you and it's not really helpful for the plot 
It's almost like I, exhausting I, after a certain point. It is because you're so tense. The whole like, a quiet place, man. I'm telling you, if you yeah. haven't seen a quiet place, a, oh my god, yeah. I was exhausted. That movie is 90 minutes, almost oh exactly, and it's the tensest 90 minutes I've ever <laughs> experienced. A quiet place might be one of the few movies where I think jump scares are warranted. I, yes, I, because the the whole premise of that film is yeah. the sound. How yeah. sound is so crucial for that film because the point is to not make any. And yeah. when you do, shit hits the fan. And it's, oh my God. Yeah, I, not that we're talking about that. But dude, if you haven't seen A Quiet Place, stop what you're doing after you've listened to this podcast, of course, yeah. and go watch that film. It's so good. It's very good. And <laughs> there's a second one that I... I still haven't seen it. I I, I have to. seen it. And I feel like the <gasps> first one is is better just because it is... It was so The second one is just like a continuation of the first yeah. one. Yeah. Well, Cillian Murphy's in it, which oh, dream, in that too, yeah. I do love. I do love me some baby blue eyes of Cillian yeah. Murphy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you have any final thoughts about the comparison? Um I think that the the biggest the, my biggest problem with the movie versus the book is that the the name of the movie doesn't make any sense because the whole yeah. point of the name of the book is because he is the legend i am legend mm-hmm. which is funny because i am legend is like kind of a uh it's like grammatically incorrect <laughs> as mm-hmm. a if you think of it as like how you're how you would say it yeah i am a legend is i am a legend i yeah. am legend but like or i am that, legendary yeah but, like yeah. the whole point of the whole point of that name is in the last is in the ending of the book and mm-hmm. and we just don't get that in the movie mm-hmm. except and that i guess maybe that's why i think that the alternate ending is at least almost captures that yeah but they still don't really address it like they don't they don't ever tie anything in of like oh it all makes sense like they don't there's never that aha moment of like why is it called i am legend right like i never and, and the thing is like i saw the film first and then read the book that never came across from just seeing no. the film. i never understood why that it was called that in the book really it's like it's that penny drop at the end yeah and it's it's beautifully orchestrated in the book that is such a crazy thing to write in where you're like oh turns out i'm the monster hey like it's yeah it's genius it's genius it's like the game braid where you oh, think yeah. you're trying to save the princess the whole time and then it turns out you're actually the princess the is villain. running from you and you're the villain like that's yeah that's what that feels like and it's so yeah. genius like you just don't see that very often in like normally it's that the big bad guy is going to come save the world and they're the last man standing and they're going to beat up the bad guys and and ma- and save the day. That's the trajectory that you see. But to yeah. see it flipped over like this, it's gold. It's so and good. that's what this kind of feels like. It feels mm-hmm. like the movie took just just took out just completely ignored that twist and yes. went for the standard hero movie. Yes. Now he's not exactly. a superhero, but he is it is the hero story. It's not the hero's journey, mm-hmm. but it is like the hero a hero story. He is yeah. always oh. the good guy. He is always the one fighting against uh and especially in the theatrical version Saving where America. we don't see at all that they're intelligent really in any meaningful way. 
barely like, it's like there's barely. there's brief things of intelligence but he keeps saying in all of his tests and stuff it's like all humanistic traits are completely yeah. gone like there's no humanity left in them yeah he says that a lot throughout and they and in the end he blows them all up with himself <laughs> and then the cure goes off to to the other humans to cure the, the monsters mm-hmm. and like that is so different so and uh, uh, antithic and the antithesis yeah Antith- antithetical i don't know but it's the <laughs> it is the antithesis of mm-hmm. the book of the entire point of the book and mm-hmm. and it's like honestly like the the 68 the 1968 version where it's called like the last man alive or something mm-hmm. honestly that would be a better name for this movie because like that that's makes more sense. accurate like right because he thought he was the last man standing yeah, yeah, yeah. He is not the a legend. I, I guess you could maybe argue that he would be a legend to the remaining humans because he's the one who came up with the cure. But they don't go into that. They don't say that. That's very like, roughly alluded. If you like, want to go that route, I could see that. Where it's like from here on out, everyone will know the name of this man because he's the one that found right. the cure. Like I guess it's very heavy handed. I guess you could kind of go that route, but I. I don't know. I didn't really feel like that was the the real focus that they were trying right. to drive. And if they did that, they had to wrap all of that into five minutes because that's yep. the only time that they actually talk about it in that way is the very, yep. very end. <laughs> yeah. We don't even know he's made the cure until the very end anyway. Right. And then, yeah, in the theatrical version, he the cure goes off and he sacrifices himself. Very noble. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the, I, I would call it the true ending, the, the mm-hmm. that was the original the intended ending. ending. Yeah, he sacrifices humanity basically uh, because he realizes that these are intelligent beings. Mm-hmm. That this whole time he thought that this was just a monster trying to kill him, when actually it was. Uh, a, you abducted my lady, and I would abducted, like her back, please. Yeah, and all <laughs> I want is to get her back, and. <laughs> And because you took her from me mm-hmm. and he realizes like, oh, my God, maybe I am the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. And he gives her back and they let him go and they leave. And it's far closer to the to the book, but mm-hmm. it still misses a little bit of it. But like that was what was so frustrating. Yeah, there's no resolution on the director's ending versus the book ending where it's like there is no cure we don't know where this is going to go from here, but they're just on to the next adventure for the director's ending. But the book, I feel like there was a little bit more resolution as far as like the people who are remaining, who are infected have started to evolve enough where they could technically restart civilization and start over. They are in the process of making. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. And in order for them to do that, he has to die because he was like the one hindrance they had. Yeah. To he start keeps over killing them. He kept killing them all. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's a wild difference. But it, it yeah, dang, it's, that book is good. It's like yeah, it's it's progress. He is the one standing in the way of progress mm-hmm. in the book and in the he didn't movie. Know the full picture. He yeah. is the progress. Like it's mm-hmm. it is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, no, that's yeah. a really good point. So different. It's, so it's different. it's very different. It's I just it's, can't believe how different it is. And again, like you were saying earlier, this this is a short story, and there's so much that gets packed into it. But it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like no. I'm getting bombarded with information. The pacing is stellar. It's 
it, really yeah. solid. And Every detail I mean, is important. And, it is meant and, to be there. But yeah. not rushed. No, no. I mean, honestly, it feels like it's 90 pages. It feels incredibly fast to read, but I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. It just feels like right. this beautiful snapshot of this crazy world. And you're like, God, I want more. But it was just the right amount. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yep. It was so very, good. very good. And the film can just, you know. Stop killing dogs and that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it once every 10 years or something. No. You're lucky you you're lucky that I love you so much. I wasn't even going to watch it and then I was like, "You know what? I'm better than that. I I have I have credibility to uphold. I will for the sake of my fans and for my guests. I will begrudgingly rewatch yeah. this film." <laughs> I actually did the same thing. I mean, I, had I- to Force myself to rewatch it, so you're welcome. <laughs> I put it off until literally yesterday. Uh, yeah. I when I watched the movie, and I was yep. like, I was like, do I even need to watch it? Like, I kind of remember, but then there were I, I was didn't thinking remember about any it. of it. Exactly. So. I was thinking about it. And I was like, I actually don't really remember a lot of this movie. I'd seen it the one time, and I was like, I should rewatch it because I I haven't I didn't retain anything but the dog dying i was yeah. like i know there's more than just that and i couldn't remember the nuances and i read the book more recently so it's like well i remember the book pretty vividly because i just read it right. but yeah man it's just night and day it's pretty incredible i actually <laughs> there i had enough time to read the book twice right yeah super fast super yeah. fast yeah oh my gosh all right well i think that's a really good place to yeah to end it we we did it. Congratulations. We talked about sad sad animal yeah. deaths, and I did not cry. I'm very proud of myself. I was going to say, it's easier to talk about it after the fact than I think yes. it is to, to read it or watch it. Oh, my God. Yeah, my it's hands hard, are very sweaty, it's but It's hard we did to it. read it. It's hard to watch it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep, yep. If you have a soft heart like myself, yeah. uh, strap in. Strap in, friends. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, what a... What are you doing? What are you reading? What are you experiencing before we sign off? I uh, I put aside, uh, I think I, I was reading, I, I am still trying to get through American Psycho. I oh, put aside, man. because I think the last time you asked me, I was trying to decide whether I was going to read American Psycho. You were Psycho between two books, right? Or yeah. um, do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Mm-hmm. And I've Two read that one before. I've read that one before. And I was like, well, I, maybe I'll read one I, have, I haven't read. Um, and I, it has been difficult to get through uh, American That's Psycho. What I've heard. And I put it down um, for a while, yeah. and to, and then I read this, and I was like, oh, I'll just wait until after we record this to start that back up. Yeah. Maybe you um, read a palate cleanser of something a little more happy in between yeah, these two. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to try and find something. a little something. stressful. <laughs> I might read, um, I've been actually thinking about reading um, uh, The Story of Your Life, I think, which is what Arrival is based on. Oh. <gasps> Oh, um, the story. Oh, of- I need to read that still. Arrival. Oh man, talk about excellent slow burn sci fi's. Yeah. Oh, and it, I, I think it's also a short love story. That film. I think it is, but oh, that's been on my list. So you let me know if you read that because yeah, I would love to chat about. That. I have it. It's Arrival been s- is so good. It's been sitting on my bookshelf for months, and I'm oh, like, you know, I should read this because I really like the Arrival, oh, and I'm sure that, and I've heard Arrival that the author is really great. good. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but I don't remember um, either. Yeah, Arrival so, is like a sci-fi film that focuses on actual like 
sociology perspective and, and linguistics and anthropology instead of just yeah. blowing shit up like the yeah. military. Like we're not talking Independence Day alien invasion. We're talking like actual analytical. What yeah. would you do if if inter- extraterrestrial life came to Earth from an actual like diplomatic and yeah. like scientific perspective? It's mad genius. It's so good. The movie, oh. the uh, arrival is is like. I, now I haven't read the the book, so I don't know how it compares. I but but the arrival is like what I feel like Annihilation, the movie Annihilation, should have been like. Yeah. Like it should have been because like yeah, totally. the book Annihilation, like nothing, like there's not really like there's not like like gun shooting or like explosions no. or anything. It's all about there's like there the is exploration. a few gun shooting, but it's all about the science of like the people. Mm-hmm. And their specialties and all that. And then also like totally. the, kind of the body horror stuff. And mm-hmm. Arrival doesn't have the body horror stuff, but it does have a lot of that scientific uh, analytical version yes, of something. Which I love. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like that should have should have been the vibe of it. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. So I've been heavily considering that story. Ooh, do it. That's that. And I'll let you know. Yeah, you, you keep me posted. We'll that just keep doing sci-fi sounds... stuff. Yes. It's my my bread and butter. I love sci-fi it. is so good. I know. Speaking of sci-fi, I'm gonna do my own plug. I am currently yes. rewatching The Expanse right now. Oh, I have seen season one. <laughs> oh, you should see the season three because that's where Amazon bought it, and it uh-huh. just like glams the shit up. Oh, I'm like, sure it, is, it does. Like the the production quality just goes through the roof. <laughs> yeah. I think oh, it's, it's so all on beautiful. Amazon, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime, so if you're a Prime member, you can see it for free. Yeah. Um, I'm not sponsored by Amazon, but if Amazon, if you're listening, I love Expanse. At the cost <laughs> of sending Jeff Bezos to space. Oh, yeah. That's the only downside in it. Eh, well. Um, yeah, yeah but the Expanse is, oh, my God. It's like if Game of Thrones was in space. Yeah, it's really. Political intrigue with a little bit of, like, sci-fi and, oh, God, it's so It kind of has, like, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Star Trek kind of feel a little yeah. bit like yeah, totally, totally. I liked season one it it's good I mean sci-fi the the, the television sh- uh, station sci-fi started it so yes. the first two seasons are sci-fi budgeted and then <laughs> you can tell three you can totally tell but not to say that it's bad not everything sci-fi produces is stellar but this yeah. actually was pretty decent and then season three on I think they're in six seasons now Wow. Uh, oh man that <laughs> production value it's just like that glossy finish yeah and it's just beautiful i mean and talking about a sci-fi um a sci-fi with like a contagion i mean that's season yes. one especially yes and i don't know how that. long it continues through the seasons but season Ooh. one is all about that yes and you should continue watching it because okay. if you really if you like the kind of contagion sci-fi political drama kind of thing it checks all of those boxes okay okay it is so good oh it's so good yeah i i am obsessed with that show and i know not everybody likes it but i'm here for it to each their that's own that's my plug yes that's my plug yeah all right well thank you for joining yes me, Daniel. it's been a pleasure always a pleasure Yes, and thank you to our listeners for sticking it out through all of our random tangents and trying to stay on topic, which was yep. very hard, I will tell you. I can't do it. 
it's not how my brain works yeah i know there's you start getting into the sci-fi genre it's really hard to stay in your lane because it's so there's so many things that you can touch on um but yeah with that uh thanks for joining us and we will see you next time next time bye bye and check it out (laughs) Ha <laughs>